When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today we're looking at an example of a meeting that changed the world. Thanks for joining us. Europe is named for Europa, a god or goddess, goddess, I believe. And it has always been a place of great piety, as has been every place in the world. And the story that we have in the book of Acts today of St. Paul visiting Europe or going to Europe and starting a church there is pretty amazing. It starts with a vision he has at night. Go back to sleep, Paul. You're just having a vision. Or as John's wife said, go back to sleep, John. You're just having another revelation. C.S. Lewis said that people sometimes mistake dreams for visions, but they never mistake visions for dreams. You know when someone is talking to you. I hope you know that. At our church, St. Joan of Arc, we know that God talks to people sometimes. Um, That's not an unusual thing in the world, I don't think. Paul has a vision. A man is standing there next to his bed pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Macedonia, that center point in human history, the place where Philip of Macedon is a king. He has a son named Alexander. Philip amasses one of the most powerful armies the world has ever known and then suddenly dies. And young Alexander inherits this amazing army, expands it, and conquers the world all the way to India. His empire is divided among his generals, the Seleucids, the Ptolemies, who eventually Cleopatra is one of them. And it is this moment in world history that Greek civilization goes all around the world. Greek language spoken by Paul, written by Paul. So he's coming back to the source of his culture. He is a Jewish rabbi, now a Christian Jewish rabbi, teacher, preacher, evangelist, apostle, And now he is going back to Europe or going to Europe. He's probably been there before, but he is now going there to start a church. Come over to Macedonia and help us. So he's convinced that God has called him. They go on a ship, Troas, to Samothrace, to Neapolis, and to Philippi, which is the leading city, the biggest city there in the Roman colony. So he goes to the city for some days, and on the Sabbath, he goes outside by the gate to a river where there was supposed to be a place of prayer. I love this imagery, down by the river. Um, Goes out of the city gate to the river where people are drawing water. It's a place of prayer. Now, it's also a place of work. Um, lots Lots of stuff happening down at the river. When you have a major water source like that, there's a lot going on there. People gathering water maybe people fishing, 
maybe people doing other washing, who knows. There's a lot going on there. But there's also a rumor that there's a place of prayer there. And I wonder in our world, where are these places, these places of prayer? Maybe they're not always buildings that look like churches. Those are places of prayer for sure. But there are many other places of prayer. Some of them are down by the river. Where do people go when they are crying out to God? Where do people go when they're looking for answers? We usually go to a place where nobody can hear us. For many people, that's their car where they can speak and shout and rage and cry. It's the one private space we have in our world. A place of prayer, a park, the ocean, the river. These are all places of prayer and we know it. In these places of transition and prayer, the river flows. There's things going down and up it. We know that there's more to life than just whatever we're facing in our village, in our city. Rivers remind us that life is flowing and we can never step in the same river twice. And there he is at this place of prayer, off to the side, this beautiful vista of the river running by. And women have gathered there. Now, Paul was told to go to Macedonia by a man. There stood a man of Macedonia, obviously Macedonian in the vision, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. What, other, what distinguished him as Macedonian? I don't know. Maybe he had a Macedonian t-shirt on. Hard to say. But he get, Paul gets there and he meets a woman, a certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God. So she is someone who is worshiping the one true and living God. And, and that is all she knows is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She's not met Jesus yet. Paul is going to introduce her to him. But this, I, the switcheroo of God, come to Macedonia and help us. And he gets there and it's a woman. God does not care about gender that much. God wants to get something done. God calls whoever God thinks will do it. And the difference between a man and a woman doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. Maybe it is to us as we live in this world where we expect certain things from certain genders and people, not necessarily based on who they are, but what they symbolize in our culture. And that was a culture divided by gender as well with certain rights and privileges. But Paul doesn't go to the men of Macedonia. He meets this woman. And I can say as a church planter myself, this church is built by women um, primarily. Um, I have realized my limitations as a person and even as a man and it is the women of our church who have built this community far more than I have done and continue to do so. And my constant awareness of that is, I hope, um, not just spoken by B, but also shown in my appreciation for them. Um, and she is a, a dealer in purple cloth. The word in Greek literally means female seller of purple. Um, woman merchant of purple. Uh, this 
This um, here is no small business. This is a big business. Purple cloth is the highest prized uh, thing, article of clothing you can find. There are three or four shades of purple, crimson, a bluish purple. Not sure what one she did, but the word itself is etymologically related to a crustacean, a, a bivalve shellfish um, or snail. Not really sure the exact taxonomic classification, but from this little animal, um, when they would crush it, purple dye would ooze out of it. This purple pigment, the literal word of purple, porphyry, means this small crustacean. And they would crush it and poke it. You could crush it and get a bit of purple dye out of it instantly, or you could slowly prick it and make the dye secrete in very small amounts. But either way, it's a very tedious process and very, very labor-intensive and very expensive to sell. Um, the purple cloth of the ancient world was worn by the nobility, um, and it is a purple cloth that they place over Jesus purple robe that they place over Jesus at his scourging when they mock him. Um, they have one of these laying around and they put it on him to mock him. Um, it is a sign of royalty. It is a sign of the most expensive clothing you could ever wear. And this is the woman that Paul meets with there. And it says, the Lord Jesus opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her whole household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have been judged to me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon them. She's the one that initiated this meeting um, and this church being started right there in her home. It says she and her household. There's no mention of a man. That's the beautiful thing about the way God works. Um, women and others who have not had the kind of power that we associate with patriarchy um, have their own power here in the, in the life of the spirit. And they are, are organizing and, and putting things together. And they see the vision um, that Jesus has for this whole world of Europe. And so this is where Christianity enters Europe, in this small riverside prayer chapel outdoors. We don't despise the day of small things, whether it's in a church plant or in a church that's been there for a thousand years. Every little thing we do is part of this story. It is part of the story of people reaching out for the true story of Jesus. And it is a fulfillment of what Jesus said in John 14, that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I've said to you. And what did he say to you? What did he say to us? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. This is what he gives to us. This way of living in the world without fear, beyond fear, of trust and confidence in God. That God who raised Jesus from the dead who has sent his Holy Spirit into us to live in us can be trusted and we can go with him all the way to the end and face whatever we have to face because we're not facing it alone. We're facing it together. We're facing it with God. And this is what Paul has gone to Macedonia to do. 
but he cannot do it without Lydia, and he can't do it without Lydia's household and the other women who have gathered there. They are already there praying when Paul shows up. This is how God works every single time. The prayers have already been said, and they, we who are now part of this community are simply going with the flow of the Spirit. So listen to the Spirit today. The Spirit is taking you places, places that you may not thought you would end up going to, but it is where God has called you to go. Amen. O God, you have prepared for those who love you such good things as surpass our understanding. Pour into our hearts such love towards you, that we, loving you in all things and above all things, may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.